Hi, I'm Hanobi store manager Phil Altier. And I am his loyal tech bot, Bit. And you're listening to the Glitch Tech Rewatch podcast. Okay, Bit, that's not how you're going to do it, though, right? Um, I will repeat the phrase again. And you're, and welcome to okay, the Glitch never. Tech. Just fine. And welcome and, to the... Uh, okay, Bit. I seem to have a cheese sandwich lodged in my tapes. Yes, because I like them warmed. So... Just anyway, Angela, start the podcast, please. Here come the Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Glitch Text Rewatch Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and tonight is going to be a very special episode because we're doing a series of bonus episodes of different cast and crew who worked on the show. So tonight we're very pleased to have Scott Kramer on the show. Hello, Scott. Hi, Angela. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So glad that you could be here. And then we also have Dan Milano. Hello again, Dan. Hi, Angela. Thank you for having me on your show again. This is so great. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. So Scott, Glitch Text fans know you as the voice of Phil, but you are an animation veteran. You were an executive producer on Pinky Malinky. You're an executive producer on Jurassic World, Camp Cretaceous, which had its premiere third season episode on May 21st. So everybody check that out. You've worked on a ton of awesome shows. So first off, just really curious, how did you go about going from being an executive producer and a writer to getting to voice an animated character? I have a lot of dirt on Eric and Dan. And (laughs) that, let's just say it how it is. I mean, that's, no. Uh, So how it works is, and and thank you for your kind words. So Eric, Dan, and I belonged to this group at Nickelodeon that was called the Artist Collective, where it was a bunch of veteran writers and artists. And we got together to create stuff. So Dan and Eric hooked up and birthed Glitch Techs and and I hooked up with Chris Garbutt and Ricky Asbjorn and we did Pinky Malinky. Anyway, while you're doing these shows, nobody's got any money to cast people. So you're putting together a pilot and you just go from office to office and go, hey, can you come do this voice for me? (laughs) So for some reason, when they were having this kind of cranky older boss guy Somehow they thought of me. Uh, (laughs) So I came in and just did the scratch. It's how I do a a smaller voice on Pinky Malinky named Nurse Sally. And it's the same thing. It's just uh, you need a voice for the pilot for some scratch dialogue. And so I went and did it. And it was super fun. I think Dan may have based a little of the character on me. Um, (laughs) And it was super fun. And then they tried their best to recast me. They tried to turn Phil into a woman. They tried to get an actual actor in. But at the end of the day, they couldn't get this dumpster fire of a voice out of their heads. It's true. uh, As you hear at home, it's just (laughs) these velvety tones that cannot be replicated by anyone. <laughs> yeah. So I was very lucky that and very surprised when Dan and Eric came back and said, you really want to do this? And it's like, oh, yeah, this is fun. So that's a long story kind of long. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good place for 
long stories and also peripheral information because so many of the people listening to Angela's podcasts, which are all based in animation education, like they're really interested and everyone asks how you create and how you develop relationships and we try to explain it just kind of happens like at any age you do what you can with what you have and the people around you who share your interests and they're always surprised to hear how that never changes and that that trains you for when you end up in a quote-unquote professional building like Nickelodeon but what it really is you're kind of left to kind of poke your head into other people's offices say hi, meet people who share your interests and you develop relationships and you help each other when somebody needs to put their scrappy little creation together, you go to each other and you play in each other's sandboxes and it's just an extension of the same dang thing. And it really is how we all met and Nick encouraged it at the time. It was just a few years where they had this collective where They literally created a specific time once a week for everyone to sit around a table and have lunch and talk about what they were doing. But even if that's not the case, I think we still were all open to that, to meeting each other and, you know, helping each other out. So that's how we cast the role of Miko. And it's certainly how we cast the role of Phil. And we definitely did tailor the character based on Scott. (laughs) (laughs) who made us laugh so hard just as a humorous person who tells amazing stories you would come in and talk about your kids like something your kids did that you both that drove you crazy but yet there was always this love of them that was always there as for even though you were frustrated yeah and we're like that's the guy that's yeah but that reminds me of just because dan voice directed most of the episodes if not all of them and oh my god because he knew me so well he would uh, and because really five and miko are like phil's kids and he they drive him crazy but he loves them and so dan would go okay pretend your son hath just spilled paint all over the carpet go and then i would just then i would do the read or whatever like that dan was always (laughs) He always knew exactly what buttons to push with me in that. So true. Oh, so funny. And people notice these details. It's important. So that's when I think the studio would say, well, why this person and not a quote unquote real actor? And the first thing you want to say is, well, this is a real actor. I mean, this is someone who's acting, who's putting themselves in a pretend situation and doing it convincingly. And it is a talent that both Scott and Monica sometimes have a hard time acknowledging. But as somebody who has directed other people that can't always do it, it is (laughs) very much a talent. And the other thing is that it's because it's what makes the part unique. We did bring in a lot of actors and they're all great actors. There's a reason they work, but they just sounded like angry bosses the love wasn't there. It was the same lines, but the energy was off. And even the casting departments could see that. And they were like, you're right. You're right. This guy, he knows where the jokes are. He hits the lines in interesting ways. There's nobody who sounds exactly like him. And there's like a feeling there that you can't get. So, you know, if you're open to that, you can find it around you. You have to really fight for it when you find it. 
you also have to be willing to let it go if it's not there. Because <laughs> yeah. I know some creators are like, my cousin is so great. And then everyone else is going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's like saying you should hire my nephew for this internship i'm like oh, no, no, no. yeah <laughs> yes trust me yes anytime any friend of my parents has a niece or a nephew who's thinking about moving to los angeles it's like well here we go <laughs> <laughs> yep. yeah like, i know this story so, yep. so tell me scott when you're doing the role so i take it then so is phil essentially a heightened version then you would say of yourself of if I was in the situation, here's what I would do, channeling that through Phil, or like, what is your process for that? Yeah, I would say, I mean, it really was very, you know, and a lot of time I usually, cause I would be working. And so I would usually come in after hours after they did everyone else. And so, yeah, I mean, Phil is very, you know, he is a heightened version of me and they wrote it very well. And every once in a while, if like I would word something slightly different, Dan and Eric were always very open for me to do it. And I didn't, you know, I guess I didn't realize until ADR, it's, my speech patterns are what they are. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's like, I was very nervous doing ADR or anytime I had to be in the VO booth with like four other people who actually do this for a living. That was very anxious making for me, but yeah, Danny brought me home. Uh, that's the part that's really hard. It's true. Yeah. But yeah, it's a heightened version of me. It's a guy who loves his family that also drives him crazy. He just wants to be left alone. But Phil would die for any of the glitch tags. Even Bergie. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Like he doesn't like Bergie. <laughs> <laughs> that's what became great about the character. It's somebody who's like put upon and sarcastic, but not angry. They're not being sarcastic, like, oh, nobody listens to me anyway, so I'm gonna say some like pointed thing. They're saying something pointed because they're clever, you know, they're witty, but they know and they assume the other person knows that they're just kidding or Phil has seen it all and he's kind of over it. And that's a great thing. It's another quality that kind of comes from Ghostbusters in a way where you have all the supernatural stuff happening, but the city of New York keeps eating dinner when a guy is attacked by a terror dog outside the window. Cause they're like, eh, you know, it's New York, it happens. It's New York. Yeah. Or Bill Murray can be glib when he sees the marshmallow man. And because there's something blue collar about, I've seen it all and feels that way. Like, oh yeah, you know, another, Pac-Man tearing up the I-95 again, but he used to do it as a job. So it's not that he's over it or sick of it. It's that he's just learned you don't freak out over the, you know, a four alarm fire. And when Bill does freak out, it's really important. So there are those episodes where the alarms really go off and Phil suits up and then the audience can go like, oh crap, if Phil cares, this must be really dangerous, you know. I love um, it when Phil gets to suit up. Yeah. <laughs> like a bit prime. Phil doesn't get to be cool too often. Uh, he was wondering, there, he didn't know there was a secret sauce, you know. But, <laughs> yes. uh, but when Phil gets to suit up and lead by example, that's pretty cool. That's really fun. There's an unproduced episode from the, the 10 that everyone's waiting for us to hopefully finish where Phil creates an avatar of what is essentially his younger self, a glitch yeah. avatar. 
that allows him to kind of revisit his youth and hang out with the rest of the team as an equal. They won't know it's him at first. Right. And it's another way that you can also use the premise of that show to tell character stories and find other layers about Phil and what he was like when he was a tech. Our show literally lets you see that. It doesn't have to be a flashback. Yeah. Reminds me of the Dos Equis man, you know? It's like, I'm not often a tech, but when I am, when I am. I'm yes. yes, Absolutely. Just, just goes forth. And actually, that reminds me, too, of, and you had mentioned this before, Dan, there's a line in one of the episodes where Phil is telling Nico and Five, we're all weirdos. Yes. And that's one of my favorite lines, because he's acknowledging that we're all weird, we're all different, and that's okay. But it's also this layer of, don't let that bother you, man. Just go about and do your job. It's cool. It's cool. I, yeah. I love that line too. And I think it's my only line in the whole episode. And it's just <laughs> walking through frame at the end of the episode. It's like, yeah, we're all weirdos. Get back to work. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. I'm weird too. I'm one of you. Now stop bothering me. <laughs> Stuff like that is so great. And yeah, and the weariness is like, oh, you guys are just having that episode in your life. I had that. 20 years ago, I figured out we're all weirdos. It's like, yeah, all right, you had your little moment, get back to work. But he's also commiserating and he's also sharing that wisdom. And it's so fun. That's what made this show so fun is that we would obsess over these lines and what they meant to us. And frankly, if they didn't mean anything to anyone else, we still would have done it because this was our best shot at what made us feel good. But we're so happy that so many other people notice and comment on things like that. And I think originally the line was, you're all weirdos. It was. He he shut everyone down. You're all weirdos. And because even some of our writers were still kind of figuring out that subtle difference between a guy who pokes a hole in the balloon and lets the air out of a situation versus the guy who acknowledges the elephant in the room, but is also like supportive. You know, it's a very slight difference, but it's so important. No, it's huge. I remember when I came back in to do that. It's like, oh, what a great choice. It's so much better. Yeah, everyone was a little surprised when we were like saying that Phil has a hard time when he orders Ridley to be reset because she did kind of burst into the place. She caused a huge problem and don't we reset people all the time? But isn't it nice to see something a little different? Like he also sees this brilliant kid who made him donuts to boot. And, like, <laughs> and he has to be the guy. It's like, hey, this is great. <laughs> He's got to shut it down and he doesn't want to have to do that. It also helps tonally that if everybody's really down about it, then when Mitch says, oh, I'll do it, of course, that feels even worse, you know? But yeah, it lets you know that this is a guy who cares and we can trust him. That is so true. So then... That actually brings us to Bit Prime because we see the the penultimate of Phil caring. And yep. it's just really interesting how that episode's progressed because you think he's just mad to be mad. It's like, no, there are specific things going on between, you know, him and his good buddy Bit that we don't find out till later. So I was wondering, Scott, so when you were recording that episode, you know, what were some of the things that you were thinking about? And just also just what are your personal feelings about like Phil and Bit's relationship? Oh, I I love it. And my only regret is Dan was usually directing me so I could never be in the booth at the same time as him. (laughs) That's Uh, true. Because because Bit is not that different from Dan. I hope (laughs) that's come out. Dan is this 
this just ever positive guy who works his butt off and, and just wants to get the job done and wants people to be happy. And that's just who the guy is. And so, you know, we got to be pretty good friends during our time at Nickelodeon. When I met Dave, I had known Eric because I wrote on the first season of Fanboy and Chum Chum. I was a staff writer, but I met Dan Fresh there. So, and we would get together and we'd have lunch together and everything like that. So, yeah, I feel like I have a great affection for Dan and Phil has a great affection for Bit. And so, I mean, a lot of that just kind of played through. It's like, yeah, I may tease Dan, but you don't get to do that because he's my buddy. So that's right. <laughs> I can do whatever I want, but that's fine. But you better not open your mouth or there's trouble. Uh, that's exactly so, right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's partially that. And it's just like, you know, Ben is basically Phil's wife. And uh, Miko always says during the episode, oh, you guys are like an old married couple. And then, you know, yeah. the flames behind Phil. Yeah. But it is true. Yes, exactly. <laughs> But I mean, it is, you know, they're like, well, the people who listen to this are too young to know this reference, but they're like Archie Bunker and his wife, Edith, back from All in the Family. You know, he's just this big blowhard and she's this ever positive kind of dim-witted cherub, but he loves her with all his heart and Phil loves Bit with all his heart. If you have any aspirations to write characters and you should absolutely go Google All in the Family and a lot of the shows uh, made. spun off it, yeah. Yeah, oh my gosh. Uh, it's, because like the, those... it's like the cinematic universe of like the sitcom era, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. All the Norman Lear stuff, there's some really, just it's all great character-based comedy there. And they're timeless, which is why we can still refer to it. And it's true, I think Phil even kind of says in the episode, like, I've invested in him. So that's what you do with lifelong relationships. You invest in each other and you know, not just each other's secrets, but you have a shorthand and you complete each other. And, but you know, you also, those are the people who also annoy us and who we know we have a strong relationship with. So we say things like, to go even older, like shows like The Honeymooners, where, you know, characters would say, you know, to the moon, Alice, which was as one show, I think Family Guy or, where somebody pointed out like an early reference to wife beating. Yeah. Um, but back then the sentiment was not that he physically actually was going to hit Alice, but that he would say, I've had it up to here with you basically to the moon with you. So he can yell that at bit. I'm going to replace you. I'm going to throw you out, but it's just part of their banter. You know, it's like, I'm going to kick this old car because it stalled out on me, but I love it. It's part of who I am. I'd never replace it. And that's fun. And it is, that is how you become fast friends to go back to that feeling too of being in the studio together it's scary guys like nothing prepares you for this stuff it's always scary even if you've done 10 jobs going into a new network or a new workplace is like new high school you don't know anybody yet are they gonna like me who do i sit with at lunch and scott was so warm and friendly and funny and we would just talk and talk and then invest a lot of questions in each other, like about what we were working on. You know, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? When Scott was going to do Jurassic, he's like, how's it been running a room at Glitch Techs? And I'm going to go run this room and I could use some insight. And now I want to pick his brain about how it's been because I'm about to run another room. And just because I did one before doesn't mean I feel prepared. You know, <laughs> like if you're humble and sort of always a little nervous, 
you do, you invest in each other and enjoy each other's company. So that all comes through. And then there is some world building to say, you know, yeah, Bit's got a lot of customized information directly from Phil and the company that also gives us places to go in the series. Yeah. I hope we can someday. Yeah, me too. Like I was rewatching it before we did this and it's like, oh man, like <laughs> what? What's going on? There, are we going to infiltrate Hanobi? What's going to what's going to happen? It's like, oh, <laughs> We've always had a great number of those details and yet we were asked not to be too heavily serialized and we had to couch some of them but we do know what's on there and where it it still has yet to go so yeah i hope we get our shot i do too sooner or later and in some form because i think eventually there'll be some flexibility to say oh hey maybe we do a movie or a special or you know some other format a game would be amazing or an interactive series well, just let me know, because I parlayed my role as Phil into worker number two on Camp Cretaceous, and I've already been eaten by the Indominus Rex. Spoiler. Uh, so, oh, no. Yeah. So. Do you die with a Wilhelm scream, or is it your yeah, own scream? It's my own. red shirt, too? Yeah, I am wearing a red shirt, there and it's go. actually, it's in the, uh, I'm the first on-screen character to die from the Indominus Rex. Check out episode four from season one of Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous now streaming on Netflix. Nice. So good. See, but you're not anybody until you've been killed on screen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in your own show, it's like, yes. Yeah. It's all <laughs> been leading up to this moment. There you go. And speaking of like glitch text movies, so if, so if there were a movie, what would you want Phil's role to be? What would you hope that he would get to do in said movie? Well, look, let's face it, Dan and, and Eric, they've given a lot of time to, it's Five and Miko, right? That my supporting cast. <laughs> yes. So I'm sure, you know, whatever, as I said in some, I don't remember what we were doing, but it's like Phil is the heartthrob of the Glitch Text cast. So obviously it would be centered around, no, I don't know. I don't care. Just, <laughs> I'll just show up anytime, anywhere. Just let me know. And I can just be sitting, eating donuts, yelling a bit, reading Donut Fancy, and uh, <laughs> let, you know, let Zara and Fergie and Five and Mako just go out and kick butt. Uh, we I'll never got to else. properly explore the cat obsession. Like, Donut Fancy makes me think of, of course, of Cat, cat Fancy. Cat yeah. <laughs> it was always an idea that Phil took in strays. It wasn't just a random gag. It's also because... You know, I mean, that's what he's doing on Glitch. And that's why he wants Ridley around if it's possible and everything. You know, like he takes in strays. And I love a guy who it lets you know, like he's kind of tough as nails, but he's got a big heart. And so you glimpse it in an almost creepy way. When Five and Miko go into his house, you see a lot of cat portraits. Yes. And I think our floor plan had a lot of litter boxes. <laughs> great <laughs> yeah and there was talk there was one point where there was talk about a love interest for phil and so oh, yeah. you know again i can just go i'll hold uh ricardo and monica's keys and they can go be talented on the microphone and you, i'll just come in and say get back to work or something and then yeah just let me know and i'll be there such a good energy people did not believe and when i say people i mean scott when we would tell him <laughs> that oh, the board team is so excited they've got a fill scene. Or, 
we just watched <laughs> the animatic and everybody's going nuts over this like fill sequence. And then when we were doing testing, we had like little kids, like, you know, age eight to 11 going like, we like the boss. And that never happens. Like that never <laughs> happens. And our executives heard it too. They're like, oh my God, people are loving Phil. And it's just a genuinely funny character that kind of transcends the, the age and is a fully fleshed character as opposed to just, um, you know, the dad or the boss or again, a lot of times in kids' cartoons, they tend to make the adults maybe kind of like stupid or oblivious, you know, and one of the notes we got from our consultants was like to absolutely do everything we could to avoid that. Yeah, and it was really fun also because we were at the Nick building and Glitchtex and Pinky Malinky, we, were, we shared a floor. Yep. So I would be walking by or they would bring me over to do my own scratch. That's right. Adam Arnold, <laughs> the editor, would bring me over to do that. Or I'd be outside and they'd be coming out of an animatic and people just was like, okay, well, this is a different feeling because it's easier to say it than to write it. So anyway, <laughs> you and the team did an amazing job writing, writing this guy. It was cool because you'd hear Scott talking in the hallway and some of our newer team members too would just be like, I, I keep hearing Phil. It's like, <laughs> I thought somebody had Phil? Their, yeah. <laughs> they just think they hear him in, in their mind. They're just They're their minds or yep. someone's got him up on a monitor. It's like, no, I'm just walking by and this is it. <laughs> this is all you get so good oh man i'm just so thankful you're thankful complete our family mm. well thanks danny <laughs> well, i have one more compliment to give which is also oh, um well he'll appreciate this because he writes so when you write stuff there's a certain rhythm you maybe have in your head and it's great if somebody maybe surprises you with a take that's a little different and you laugh in a way you didn't expect that's certainly wonderful but a lot of times what happens too is someone's just not getting anywhere near what you were hoping for right that is true it's not because they're not talented it's just that they're not reading the tone maybe or understanding the the rhythm of the the larger scene and it could be because you're just doing a terrible job directing them as well <laughs> uh, so maybe my fault but every single time Scott would like, and this is true of Monica as well, they would like pick up whatever you're laying down, you know, and start at exactly what you hoped for. And then it may change and permutate from there, but you always got these amazing reads. And I think that's just because people who write and are fans of writing and a certain kind of TV rhythm pick up on those rhythms and know how to repeat them almost like unconsciously. Monica definitely has yeah, it. I think absolutely. she just absorbs so much TV as a kid. And she puts her own spin on exactly what you would hope she would do to start out. And then you just can massage it from there. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing, you know, I'm used to being on the other side of the glass. And so you always try to do it like, okay, because I was usually recording by myself. It's like, okay, do this line three times. Well, you do that first one, like you hear it in your head, but then you try to give some variation sometimes right. when you're on. Dan's side or my side of the glass and you get three identical reads in a row and it's like well they were all good but it's the same thing so it, that doesn't help so just a little variation on the on the second and third time through and hopefully uh, I think that you always just use kind of what you expected 
with this team, we always used little variations. It's just, you always wanted to start at least at the place that you kind of hoped for. And if you were nowhere in the ballpark, you spent the whole session just trying to get there as opposed to starting there and then having time to play. As you've been directing on other shows since Glitch, have you ever thought to yourself, like, I, I'm a, I was a good actor on that show because, like, man, I was going in and out of that booth. Not like this loser. Cat would never think that. I'm no. just kidding. It's like, yeah. ah, these I'm just kidding. I just want to know if you appreciate yourself. nothing like what I could do before. No. <laughs> Who found these people? <laughs> quite, quite the opposite. I mean, just for instance, I've been doing Camp Cretaceous for how long? And then I hear... Paul, who is our lead voice of Darius, he started the show, he might have been 12 and something, and it's like, wow, you're so much more talented than I am at my middle age. So like, That's or, cool. Or Jenna Ortega, or all the, you know, it's a great cast. So, unfortunately, no. You haven't uh, had the distinction of working with terrible actors yet. No, unfortunately, <laughs> everyone's really good and just make me go, yeah, I think probably I belong on this side of the glass. But again, Dan, you get something set up and I will be there for Phil. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yes, we may call on you for more as well for sure, new, new do, characters. I'm going to create your, a bunch of curmudgeons. Fine. <laughs> I'll do your outgoing phone message. I don't care. I'm there for it. All right. <laughs> uh, the love between Phil and Bit was so strong, it even made it into a clip show that aired before the clip of them the oh, yeah i remember that yeah the emotion was so clip. strong you're like wait oh, i remember texting good. dan and it went a clip show also like a pre-cog oh. uh clip show oh good, my god episode though the reality of having to figure that out was daunting i can't even uh, imagine I just remember Rachel Russikov talking about, so I was cutting to the storyboards and different things that we didn't quite have yet. I'm like, oh no. Yeah, crazy. And Rachel, another another editor, voice actor, fabulous person. Oh gosh, I haven't thought. Rachel, if you're listening, I miss you. I hope you're well. Rachel's she's off. so missable. She's mm-hmm. the nicest person and really talented. And she edited for Pinky as well, did she not? Or was she it? She did. Yeah. I think she was with us first, and then, uh, and then you got her from us. So that's another example of the not of at all the community <laughs> theater. <laughs> yes, exactly. we stole her away. But Rachel was in production. We met Rachel back when we were all an artist collective. Yeah. Before we realized she was a spectacular editor. So, yes, another thing of all of us helping each other. Scott and Eric shared an office wall. Their offices were side by side. Her cubicle was outside. I was around the corner. And again, yeah, it becomes your neighborhood and your community. And, you know, these are the people you vent to and laugh with and work with in different capacities. And so just take advantage of that when you're there, make your community, and then we keep track of each other and the places we go to and hopefully get to work together again. Do you have any advice for anyone listening who may want to write or produce or act in animation? Well, when gosh. They're, they're young and have no idea what to do. Well, I honestly, I would, as far as just writing, and you've heard this a million times, just keep writing. Yeah. Because you're going to write a lot of bad stuff. Trust me, I've done it. 
and still occasionally do. So just keep writing and keep plugging away. As far as breaking in now, I don't even know how people do it anymore. You know, you see a lot of people now you can put your own stuff up there, you know, with YouTube and other places. So, you know, it's all about, it's all, like you said, it's all about relationships. John Wooden, the famous UCLA basketball coach, defined luck as when preparation meets opportunity. Yes. So you just keep working at your craft, and then one of these doors is going to open. So that might be luck, but you got to know, you got to be able to deliver when you get in there. Yeah, you increase the odds. Uh, If you're somebody who's playing on the court every day and when you're not on the court, you're studying game footage and you're talking to your friends about it and you're starting up a street game. Well, that increases the odds that a coach or a school or somebody is going to notice you as opposed to if you stay inside all day just thinking about it. Right, which I've done plenty of that. And And also I would say, and this is advice I always give, don't be a jerk. Life's too short. (laughs) And I know there's plenty of powerful people uh, and stuff who are jerks, and it seems like, well, maybe that time is passing or some people are getting called out on... I think so. ...on boorish behavior, but, you know, I've had the opportunity to hire an incredibly talented writer, but I couldn't stand him just because he was so arrogant. This isn't you, Dan. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's like, I'd rather have a nice person who works hard than some talented, arrogant jerk. So that's my other sage wisdom. Don't be a jerk. Toxicity can poison everything and it's not worth it. And I think you mentioned how people have more access now. They can post online their art, they can enter screenplay fellowships and posted websites and they can write things that they produce. And even if they're made crudely, talent still shines through sometimes even more when it's low budget and it's like homemade. So it's demystifying the fact that only certain individuals are blessed with creativity and we must endure their horrible personalities because they are rare snowflakes. They're not, No, they're out there and they're, (laughs) you know, so I think more and more, that's probably one of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard. Just remember that it is a community and a collaboration-based industry and getting along well with other people. It's not like you have to be the most social person. Lord knows there are a lot of creative people who feel very awkward with others, but that's fine. It's much better than the person who comes on strong and thinks that they have to intimidate to be well-liked. Yeah, I don't know how many times uh, someone's handed me a script that they wrote and they want me to read it. And if I get this, if they hand you a script and go, hey, would you read my script? It's really good. (laughs) To me, that's not a writer. That's that's not a writer. Yes. If you're handing me your script and apologizing and saying, I'm sorry, this is probably terrible, and I'm sorry to waste your time, then I can probably go, okay, well, you're my people. It's so true. (laughs) All my favorite people are so so down on themselves in a way that's like oh god it's and it's so unhealthy and i had like when i was writing back a hundred years ago on a show called el tigre and every script i'd turn in it was like to my store editor doug langdale or jorge gutierrez and it would be like an apology and i'm so sorry sorry. I'm, i'm nauseous and then finally doug called me in his office and goes look you're 
Your writing's really good. You gotta stop this. You need to get some therapy. You need to figure <laughs> this out. But yeah, that's part of the, uh, you know, nobody wants to. I'm not, I think it's I'm, a sense of responsibility. Yes. I think that's what that is. You feel you've been entrusted and you don't, you're grateful and you don't want to blow it. There's yes. a healthy line. People down. Yeah, exactly. Healthy line. You don't, yeah, exactly. don't want to be like, I am the greatest. You also don't want to be like, I am Dirtin Worms. It's like, yes. kind of in the middle. I know. As I'm saying this, it's like, this is bad advice. You shouldn't be down on yourself. You're out there, you're creating. Be happy. But that's just, I find that it seems to be kind of a running theme. It's a happy medium. Stay humble is probably the healthy way of there, putting there it. But yeah, I've, I'm always suspicious when there are a couple of times I've been handed a script and I'm like, oh, you know, I actually don't have time to read it now. So good news. You can go and tweak it a little more if you want to. And when that person's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. And then you say, oh. oh, so nothing you feel needs any fixing or tweaking? You feel like yeah. this is super solid? Yep. And I yeah. think, oh, God, this is a page one rewrite. <laughs> yeah, or then you go to give them notes and like you're on your second note and they're defending it vociferously just like they did the first note. So yeah, it's yeah. just like, and the rest of it's great. You're, you're good. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much. Think, thanks so much for your time. I have nothing to add here. It's like sometimes friends will... Like there's an old joke that's like levels of friendship. One, help you kill someone. <laughs> Two, help you bury the body. And three, I'll read your spec script. <laughs> uh, so I'd uh, take you to LAX to that list. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Well, that's, or, that's, hey, that's, a, that's a friend. You've got a pickup truck. Will you help me move? You know? Yes. <laughs> but it's like when people will say, okay, do you want me to tell you it's good or do you want my legit notes? Because I'm not going to hear argue with you. It's like, <laughs> right. great. It's good. But I didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Or, <laughs> oh, well, but that's how it really happened. <laughs> well, just because that's, that's how, how it really happened, happened, that does not make it interesting. Oh, uh, <laughs> that is, that does not, that's not a story make because it really happened. <laughs> yeah. That might be a bunch of things that happened as opposed to a story. Yes, exactly. That is a series <laughs> of events. That is not a story. That's like all those movies where now it's just like inspired by true events. Yeah, right? exactly. Based on, it's like one thing actually right. happened and the rest of it was yeah. completely yeah. made up. There was a yeah. guy on a boat one time. That's and right. And the whole story comes from Not that. the guy in the movie. Another no, no. guy. This another guy. cousin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Oh, it's a great man. way to sell a project, though, to go in and say, hey, this is a, from straight from the headlines. You know, it's okay. a true, true to life story that I made up. But I, I will say, I mean, getting back to the original question, which I sort of sidestepped, because I don't know how to tell anyone to get in the business, because I lucked into it like so many other things, but just is, you know, it should be, if you are pitching a show, it should be personal to you. And it should be, I just got to meet with this 14-year-old girl who was inspired by Michelle Obama's speech, and she made this animated short, and so I got to meet with her, and just smart and she was inspired by Michelle Obama and I showed my kids it and she then inspired them and she was asking she's 14 it's like well I'm getting ready to pitch my project and it's like oh, God. <laughs> at 25 I couldn't make a sandwich but at 14 you're pitching a project that's yeah great. but what I said is you want it to be personal to you but you also want to let them know why you're the only person who can tell this story Right. Why you're the one 
that can bring this story that is so special to life. So I think that rather than going like, oh, this is what the networks want, or this is what this niche needs to be filled, you know, tell us, tell a story that means something to you. It makes it harder when it goes away, but it also makes it for, like, to me, when I watch Glitch Decks, I can tell how important it was, not only to Dan and Eric, but to everybody on the crew. And I feel the same way working through quarantine with our amazing crew on Camp Cretaceous is these are a bunch of fans, but they work hard because it means something to them. And I think you can tell the shows that are just kind of spit out to fill a niche. And you can tell the ones that that mean something to the people that make it. And Glitch yep. Decks is one of those shows. It's well said. Now more than ever, too, there's so much content. So yeah. to really stand out and reach people and increase your opportunity, it is great to make sure you have those components. I think that's why Mitchell's versus the machines has done so well, as goofy and crazy as it is. There's such a strong message there. It's clearly a personal one from its creator. And that sums up everything you you just said really well. You know, only they could have told that story. Yeah. That's cool. Well thanks. I'm gonna try that next time. Yeah. <laughs> Quit crapping them out, Dan. I just been begging. I know. You gotta tap into something inside you. <laughs> oh man, y'all are great. <laughs> so Scott, you've been very generous with your time. Where can people find you online? And okay. yeah, well, know, look, where yeah. can they send I'm their tell you, fan art? I'm gonna tell you what I tell all the people when I have to do this press for uh, Camp Cretaceous, which I don't know if I mentioned this. Streaming on Netflix right now. Season three just dropped <laughs> on May 21st. Absolutely. Uh, Everybody check it out. Yeah, you don't have to find me online. Basically, uh, <laughs> oh, no. I'm online so my family on the East Coast can see pictures of my kids. Watch Glitch Text, watch Camp Cretaceous, watch something that makes you happy. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. They don't need to find me. <laughs> Uh, send all your fan art to my Twitter. Yeah, yeah send it on today. I will forward it over to Scott. Look, yep. I I, uh, I don't have Twitter. I joined Instagram because we were doing Pinky Malinky. If you'll see, I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I don't. <laughs> I'm just a just a middle aged man with two kids and uh, and a wife and just trying to just trying to put food on the table. Oh my gosh, you are you are Mitchell's versus the Mitchell's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh yep. my God, with my 10 year old daughter, I'm sure you felt the same way with your little girl, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. So follow Angela, follow Dan, Robles, something. You don't, you don't, I'll, it'll just be a waste of your time. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but support the following project. Yes, right. exactly. That's right. Watch <laughs> exactly. them all, watch them all multiple times and let yes. Netflix know you are still watching when that little screen comes up. 100%. Just keep it going and then go start it on your computer too. And then just have it running at all times. All right. all right. And then Dan, on the off chance that somehow this is the first episode of the podcast that people have heard. And if that's oh the case, gosh. you guys go back, listen to the, the previous 19. Where can people find you? I can still be reached at Dan Milano as all one word on Twitter and my Instagram. I'm not really using, but I'm going to create a new one actually. So, so I'll, I'll figure that out. And I'm working on, Wings of Fire with my wife, Krista Starr, with Ava DuVernay, and with Justin Ridge. 
Nobody likes a name dropper, Dan. <laughs> That's and all, huh? Starring <laughs> Helen Mirren. No, I'm just kidding. No <laughs> oh my gosh, wow. We have no cast yet. Here first, folks. <laughs> and Robles and I are working with Scott Kakuda and Ian Graham and our friends Mike Micah and Tom Russo at Other Ocean Studios on a couple fun things that we hope to announce soon. Fingers crossed. We're still in the phase of uh, trying to convince people why we're the only ones who can tell these wonderful stories. All right. Well, if you need a voice, I can do everything from cranky to surly. <laughs> uh, that is a range. And everything in between. <laughs> two of my favorite descriptors and two of my favorite duff beers. Exactly. <laughs> Sir, you are guaranteed a seat at any party table uh, Again. <laughs> that we throw. For you, I will put on long pants. I will, <laughs> yes. I will change out of my sweatshorts and I will be there for you. And in the quarantine yeah. era, that is that is high praise. Oh, yes. absolutely. That is high praise indeed. Yes. All right. Well, Appreciate Scott, it, Scott, Dad, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And to everyone at home, thank you for listening. And check out our next bonus episode coming to you real soon. Yeah.